Prelude to Armageddon. Part 2. Israel catapulted to global superpower, as Russia succumbs to Jewish domination. Subtitle, A Muslim's Nightmare. Hello everyone. Welcome to episode number 2 in our series in which we are studying end times Bible prophecy, based upon the series we have titled the Bible Prophecy Masterclass. Today, as we prepare to launch into the meat of our study detailing God's plan to force his reality upon the minds of rebel mankind, we will pause to take a moment to consider several key signs of our times, that the chiefest of those signs being Israel's future and preservation, in the face of deadly, insurmountable odds, centered in Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39. We will be reading from volume 2 of the series called Judgment Day, Israel Catapulted to Global Superpower, the writer of said series being Mr. Alvin Mitchell, and, I am Carol, your friendly host. Please feel free to join us as we invoke the blessing of God upon this and all of the studies to come in this highly informative and instructive series. Signs are for our times. No Christian even as late as the year 1900, even in America, could ever have envisioned this day. Only the hardiest of the faithful as of 1950 might have had eyeballs capable of such reach. None of those having pioneered and laid the groundwork in their respective fields, could ever have imagined the need for the vision of the likes of upstarts Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. Yet, where would we be today without them? To some degree, their work was paramount to the accomplishment of the biblical signs, if in no other way than that theirs opened up new ways and avenues into the world of computers for a whole new generation of thinkers, geeks and tinkerers, that would not have been, had they not been. With those fresh minds came fresh ideas, most instrumental in the fomenting and fitting together of all the new pieces essential to the fabrication of the path leading to God's apocalypse. Amazingly, many in the flock, even in light of the gravity of their contributions and the attachment of myriads of ramifications thereof manifested daily, playing constantly across the stage of life still do not see. They just, don't quite get it. The apocalypse.is upon us all of its main ingredients are in place. The die is cast, the type is set, yet, many a bible totten, church-going person.is not saved. All that is needful is a few finishing touches, regardless of when God actually decides to give the final, nod, signaling. It's time. Bring the church home. Pull the plug. Open the floodgates. From this vantage point, one can virtually see the finish though it is still at best a kind of, fuzzy logic, at the end of a once completely darkened tunnel, one that grows ever brighter, with each setting sun. Although there are essentially no scriptures left to be fulfilled before the Lord Jesus' invisible return to effect the rapture, the catching up of his church prior to this awful, dreadful, closing chapter in the life of mankind as we know it, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And, although all or at the very least most all of the technological building blocks needed to facilitate those remaining and leading over the threshold into this period are in place, there are, no less, a few scriptures that await the realization of the aforesaid, technological building blocks and that must be fulfilled, before the events of the apocalypse can take place. All that is necessary from here is a kind of rounding out of rough edges, topped by a supplement of refinement, perhaps, followed up with the final, assembly. Consider these scriptures. Dot. The cracking of the atom not specifically mentioned in scripture, but absolutely essential to the fulfillment of many. Zechariah chapter 14, 
2 Peter chapter 3. Dot. The time of the end, Daniel chapter 12 verse 4, 9, Nahum chapter 2 verses 3, 4. A proliferation of information, education, Wright Brothers, the automobile, high speed, international travel. Dot. Renaissance, Isaiah chapter 43 verses 5, 6, 49, 18 to 22, 60 to 4, 5, 8, 9, Israel at home again, as a nation. Dot. Texas T, Black Gold in Israel? Isaiah chapter 45 verses 1 to 6. Cyrus, blessed so as to be a blessing to Israel. Dot. The Wealth of the Dead Sea. Isaiah chapter 60 verses 1 to 4. Israel farms for wealth in the depths of the Sea of Death. Dot. Death to the most powerful, most prosperous nation ever in under one hour. Revelation. 18. HMP devices, hemp pulse generators, dirty bombs unleashed. Dot. Vendetta? Dead men walking, Ezekiel 37-38-39. Russo-Arab alliance attacks Israel. Russia broken as global power. Global Islamic threat crushed and arrested. Dot. Mountains in flight and shooting stars, afternoons of no delight, Revelation chapter 8 verses 8 to 11. Meteor shower, asteroid and comet bombardments. Dot. Fire breathing skies and talking statues, Revelation chapter 13 verses 12 to 18. Star Wars and Buck Rogers ray guns. RFID tracking. Robots and AI. Dot. Airborne flight. Not just for the bugs and birds, anymore. Revelation chapter 12 verses 13 to 14. Jews air vac to safety. Dot. The hand of death grows stranger every day. Revelation chapter 9 verses 13 to 21. Thermobaric warfare between the beast and eastern kings. Dot. The day of the Lord, part 1 and 2. Zechariah chapter 14 verses 1 to 5, 12 to 15. 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 3 to 12. Thermonuclear exchange between God and man. Dot. Terrible days, tough times ahead. Matthew chapter 24 verses 21 to 22, 29, Mark chapter 11 verses 19 to 20, Luke chapter 21 verses 25 to 26, Nuclear Winter. Thermonuclear radiation in time of war, and nuclear winter. Thermobaric warfare, pulse generators, not specifically mentioned in the Bible, definitely necessary in the fulfillment of one of its chief prophetic tenets, as we shall see, RFID tracking, Robots, AI, and cosmic ray guns. Beyond modernity, what one thing do these all have in common? Is it not that as the virtual, complete listing of the signs of our times, existing initially only as unconfirmed, non-confirmable concepts between the pages of the Bible, having been spun in the heart and mind of God, but now paraded as actual facts of life, none is actually original to either modern science, or, science fiction? That is correct. All of these indicators have been mentioned and spelled out in God's Word the Bible 2000, 2, 2,500 years before there ever was any possibility they would ever exist. The Keys. No doubt by now, then, one has gathered wisely, from the previous passages of scriptures and general observations that, where the biblical record is concerned, before these apocalyptic indicators and signs could take shape and come to fruition, 
several key events had to transpire all giving birth to a certain level of technological achievement and to a pinnacle which had to be reached, a bridge, or some series thereof, which had to be crossed, before even the signs that point to the advent of the apocalypse, could take shape. One event needful was, for this reason, key to opening the door to all the remaining events. Centuries of ideas, notions and misnotions having been collected and codified to form an intellectual discipline known as physics. The classical had to die, more or less, to make way for that which is quantum. Meanwhile, for sake of facilitation, several key individuals also had to be born. Without them, finding and cranking that key was destined to be like searching for the proverbial needle in the haystack, even as it was for 100 years after its initial finding and pronouncement. Therefore, it might be said, moreover, that reorientation and acclimation of the mind of humanity was paramount, in terms of discovery, establishment and utilization of that most central of all keys. Humanity's propensity for blanket denials of things unknown and therefore thought impossible, simply because he did not know or understand, had to be stopped. It might be argued then, that this transition in thinking was effectively begun with the work of Jean-Baptiste Perrin and his Brownian motion, notions of wiggling pollen grains, and, such, coupled with the experiments of Ernest Rutherford and his alpha-particle, gold-foil experiments that confirmed a solid core nucleus, which led to the confirmation and establishment of that most fundamental key, to the signs of our times, what we might call the budding of sign number one smeared over 100 more years of unbelief and doubt, the atom. His dysfunctionality of thought regarding the atom's reality and viability having now been forever, successfully dispossessed its tenability irreversibly, firmly established the key that opened the door to the road leading to the apocalypse, was at last unshackled and crankable. Without it, none of the other key events would have been possible. At least, where man is concerned, God could have, of course, done them at any time he chose. After all they, that is certain of them, occur all the time 24-7, throughout our galaxy and the known universe. His choice was that man should make this discovery and thereby, coupled with his many achievements in the field of archaeology, since 1900, unwittingly validate his written word, thus himself. In the might and strength of all his superior reason and intelligence, ignorantly validating the reality of Yahweh Elohim, Haya, the God in multiple persons, who really does self-exist, eternally, the intelligent designer behind a reality long disowned, now inevitably embraced, whose existence still, he vehemently denies. Yet, for 100 years following announcement of its initial discovery by John Dalton in 1808, for the most part, none significant among the world's physicists, or philosophizers, could see his way clear to accept or take even his proposal seriously. The eventual acknowledgement of, and subsequent cracking of the atom paved the way to rapid, vast increases in man's understanding of his environmental surroundings. As to the makeup, structure, and inner workings of our world, the solar system and even the universe how things work and why they work the way they do. Never in the 6,000-year history of mankind has there ever been such a proliferation of information and viable, pliable knowledge as in the past 122 years, plus, as of October 19, 2022, alone, consider again Daniel's prophecy. This lone achievement allowed for the laying of other key planks, which themselves put us on the home stretch.
All of these had to be in place before there could be any such apocalypse as the man Jesus had forecast before even the signs pointing thereto, theretofore non-quantifiable, prior to the year 1900, could themselves materialize. That is, given that this period of hell on earth must precede the actual physical return of Jesus Christ to the earth, an atomic foundation was required upon which to facilitate building of the potential essential to certain of those key events happening at or immediately prior to his parousia, also known as the Day of the Lord, as well as throughout the Apocalypse. Sidebar. The actual parousia is to take place in the midst of what will by then be perhaps the deadliest and most dangerous military campaign ever the one for which everyone waits with bated breath one for which God himself takes full responsibility one potentially implementing ready, able and willing to make full use of any and all the most powerful WMDs and biological agents at its disposal, one having trails leading all its combatants and directing their minds, eyes, hearts and, yes, bombs with what we shall call a masochistic bent toward his people, the Jews, the Christians having already been slaughtered. That said then, what specifically is one to make of this discussion in terms of these keys and indicators that get us to, into, and through the apocalypse? The time of the end. Daniel chapter 12 verse 4, 9. But you, O Daniel, close this book and put a seal upon it, which is to remain until the time of the end, a time marked by men going back and forth and an increase in knowledge. Nahum chapter 2 verses 3, 4. The chariots or vehicles will be highly visible, present everywhere, commonplace, they will course, traverse, the avenues, somewhat like or with the fervency of a wild animal, they will appear, look, like flames, they will move very quickly, like the lightning. Isaiah chapter 60 verses 8, 9. Dot who are these who fly as a cloud, and as the doves to their windows? Most assuredly the isles will do my bidding. To bring your sons from afar. Isaiah chapter 18 verses 1 to 7. Oh! To the land clattering, whirring, with wings, which is from, out of, the other side of the rivers of Ethiopia. Sending heralds, errand doers, ambassadors, light, rapid messengers, to a nation sown, developed, tall, and independent, obstinate, to a people feared, frightening, from their beginning heretofore. A nation connected, connected, measured, measured, and, well, trampled, whose land the rivers cleave, divide. Not unlike many of God's prophets, Isaiah, Daniel, and Nahum are given long-term predictive information, to share with their hearers and readers, having fulfillments far beyond the days in which they live. Again, like all under such circumstances, these men given their primitive, unadorned minds, often lacking any formal education, had no idea, no concept in terms of how the things about which they spoke could or would ever possibly materialize or be realized. Daniel foresaw a day marked by a significant increase in global travel and knowledge, or education, learning and sharing of information. One can gauge some sense of the mild horror Nahum must have felt when God showed him the time when men would travel in chariots, without horses, at sustained land speeds unimaginable in his day. Or, for that matter, at any point along that roughly 2,000-year stretch leading up to the advent of the first viable, choo-choo, train, in the early 1800s even then, as the first trains would not travel faster than 4 miles per hour, 
men's minds and thinking were so primitive that most swore, in general, that one's destiny was more likely to be death, than a destination sooner realized, should he ever reach and maintain a speed greater than a breakneck, whopping 30 miles dot per hour. From that point backward in time, on average, no man ever knew of a continuous, prolonged rate of land travel measurable in terms greater than steps, per minute. Nonetheless, Nahum saw our day, not surprisingly, perhaps, a chariot today moves only as fast as the horse dragging it, like it always has. Further, the horse of today moves no faster than the horse always has, and that for only relatively short distances, at high speed, for this reason, then, Nahum's prophecy is more deserving of a metaphorical interpretation, than one literal. Isaiah was introduced to the idea of, man in flight, long before the Wright brothers and Kitty Hawk drafted and crafted a workable concept. These things these men of God saw by the hand of Almighty God, in a time which, where the good of mankind was concerned, produced no tenable dreamers beyond the prophets themselves. The science and physics needed to give birth to the technological advances essential to the implementation of the particulars espoused by these prophetic dreamers would not mature for, in some cases, another 2,000 to 2,500 years. In fact, the term, technology, had yet to be coined or even conceived. For the most part, throughout the then-coming centuries and millennia, no one dreamed of or envisioned new ways of doing things, crucial to the fulfillment of all of God's long-term prophecies. Moreover, oddly, much of today's world is as backwards and backwards in their thinking and technological progression as they were 2,000 years ago. With almost 1 billion souls at its disposal, India supplies some of the world's best math and business minds yet it cannot prosper. China owes its current apparent prosperity to dumping of opportunity by Western industrialists fishing the ponds of its cheap labor left to itself, on its own, China cannot innovate. Russia basically shares all things in common with the U.S., and more than most Western European nations, yet, except militarily, it cannot lift itself economically, socially, or politically much beyond the level of the most backward of nations. In all too many cases, multitudes have yet to experience the freedom to think outside the box. Doing so can be dangerous. Thus, then, we can empathize with Daniel's plight, as he implores for enlightenment, from the Lord, who gave him his prophecy. The Apostle Peter informs us that Daniel's mindset was typical of them all. Just as they were told that it was not meant that certain aspects of the messages they bore should ever be made known to them or their contemporaries, during their lifetimes, 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 9 to 12, so likewise, Daniel is here ordered to file his pronouncements away for safekeeping. Their realization would be only after some considerable time, due perhaps, in large part to their being far beyond Daniel's capacity to comprehend and appreciate. That, given not to a lack of smarts or intelligence, but, to his circumstance, and the slow times in which he lived. Even the idea of the locomotive as a thing viable or the horse-less carriage as something that would subsequently outlast and replace the old, reliable tried and true horse and carriage, were initially ideas thought to be outlandish in their respective days. One can imagine then, the trauma, psychological, Daniel must have endured, though he was given only, as it were, a mild, snort, of the days of which he prophesied. These days in which we live, and or beyond. While there was positively no potential either of these prophecies could be played out at any time before 1900, 
each had to be fully realizable before there could ever be the apocalypse. The demand in these predictions corporately calls for three things. A proliferation of information, and the freedom to share and collect that information. High-speed travel, comparable to that day, and manned flight. Whereas it may well be argued that the groundwork for all three of these had slowly, almost lethargically been dragging its way to the threshold of the year 1900 for 100 to 200 years, the fact is, real large-scale, wholesale practicality in any of these areas really did not begin to emerge until after the turn of that century. Widespread availability, and, a free sharing of information amid more and better educated individuals meant, among other things, more ways of looking at and doing things. Different algorithms and avenues to arriving at solutions critical, given that one person or group of highly respected persons peddling and pandering one idea or brand of thinking, effectively controlling the thoughts and actions of the many, can forestall or cripple the solutions market for decades, centuries, or even millennia. God's approach to the apocalypse requires a puzzle of many varied and sundry pieces, each in its own time and place, and modern man his crown creation, where our universe is concerned who insists upon denying both his reality and his sovereign authority, is left saddled with the responsibility to make it all happen, a kind of, in yo, face baby. Gesture, from on high, one might say. This proliferation of information has thus far forced him to acquiesce to and accept many truths, all critical to God's apocalyptical realization, formerly denied by all who saw themselves as not only the world's best and brightest but, most enlightened, and informed. That, even as startling new information is being literally, constantly uncovered and released to the public, yet, for all this, humanity persists in its refusal to bow the knee before its Maker. America's roads, waterways and skies are some of the best traveled in the world. Even with the continuous threat of international terrorism ever looming in the background, the national and international skyways bustle and buzz like the world prior to 1900 never, ever knew or imagined. The technology to facilitate such high-speed, mass transit, the birth child or, one of the volumes of byproducts typical of this, the age of information, simply did not exist and, truth be told, no one envisioned it. Nonetheless, all roads to and through the apocalypse could do not beyond lie in limbo between the pages of Holy Writ, until the pieces to an infrastructure were laid into place. The chief vehicles in the expedition of domestic, transcontinental as well as intercontinental travel, bringing it to the new levels prescribed by the Word of God, are the automobile, the ship, and, of course, the airplane. The journey for the automobile was begun in 1335 by a wind-driven Italian concept confined to drawings that never saw the light of fruition. This was followed in 1678 by a steam-powered unit built by a Roman Catholic priest for Chinese Emperor Qian Lung. The airplane saw some of its first light in the governable parachute built by an Englishman, beginning in around 1799. Though many an intriguing idea was floated from that time forward, Nothing even remotely pragmatic surfaced until the Wright brothers at Kitty Hawk, in 1903, on December 17. On the wings of this primitive achievement, a practical first step was taken in sustained, powered, manned flight on the road to a viable vehicle, upon which wings could ultimately be satisfied a significant portion of, what might be termed, the apocalyptic equation, in query, that who are these who fly as a cloud, and as the doves to their windows?
Most assuredly the Isles will do my bidding. To bring your sons from afar. Airplanes have been instrumental not only in the return of the Jew to the Holy Land, after almost 2,000 years of exile, they will also be used to ferry him to safety when, once again for the last time, he is ousted from the land of his nativity by the beast, following his betrayal of the treaty he will establish with them. Revelation chapter 12. Indeed, again, thanks to the simple technologies developed in the late 1800s and early 1900s, the unlikely predictions of these three prophets find their roost in both the automobile and the airplane. On account of these, the world, being now truly a much smaller place, will never be the same, again. We today take for granted, what for them was unattainable. Sidebar. Daniel. We all have yet to live the next five minutes of our lives, and yet he is on good footing who writes his every impending tomorrow off, now, as ancient history. At the very least, one might say, that history, playing, daily, has at long last reached a point in time, where life moves and lives itself out at that hectic pace set, expected and anticipated by both Daniel and Nahum. Time is indeed, fading fast. Hitler was or may well have been the first to realize the value of mechanized warfare for its potential contribution in terms of speed. As with so many new ideas in the near past, the first industry to exploit the benefits of mechanized speed was the killing fields of battle. Stalin shot one of his own top generals, who, when urged to employ the relatively novel idea of tanks in his confrontation against, and to break or counter the speed of Hitler's panzer attack on Moscow, whined and declined until, having got his way. He occasioned the death of many of his men, and the capture of over 190,000 soldiers, by the Germans. One cannot ever be too thankful that he never fully appreciated the potential of certain war implements recommended by his planners. 1. Long-range bomber. The biggest built by the Germans during World War II, hang time 36 hours, one flown undetected to within 12 miles of New York City and back to Germany in 32 hours, quite an achievement, considering sustained, manned flight had only been reality less than 50 years. 2. V-2 missile, forerunner to V-9. The V-2s had a range of only around 180 miles but could fly that distance at close to 3,000 miles per hour. Nothing could stop them. Radar was not sophisticated enough to track them. The V-9s, had Hitler given the order to develop, would have been able to reach the U.S., another remarkable achievement for the Germans, in light of the fact that the rocket engine, of the type used by the Jerrys, was actually fathered on American soil by American physicist Robert Goddard, who being a World War I veteran himself and therefore, in recognition of the rocket's speed and potential as a war implement saw his suggestion, poo-pooed, when broach was made before U.S. war planners and thinkers, three, jet airplane, first ever, twice as fast as any prop-driven machine. No one else in the world had one. The Allies had nothing that could match it. It would have been virtually unstoppable. The world would now be a strangely different place, had Hitler heeded his own advisors. At the outset as with the locomotive and automobile, so with the airplane few, if anyone other than the plane's creators, realized the value of, nor could they envision that air travel, men rushing to and fro, would grow to be as big as it has in the past 60 to 75 years not the airlines, not even the manufacturers of aircraft. Once, giant McDonnell Douglas is now a relic of the past, having been gobbled up by rival Boeing. Why? 
failure to recognize the value of the craft of their trade in terms of its ability to contribute to increased travel both domestically and abroad, i.e., McDonnell Douglas did not see much of a future for aviation as a peacetime initiative, choosing rather to sink most of its assets into military aspects. It was not able to reinvent itself following the end of the Cold War, upon realization of the folly of its decision. Even if the airline industry as we know it buckles and crumbles, in the near future, the viability of Daniel's prediction is well upon us, and is in one way or the other here to stay. Extreme high-speed bombers, and to a degree, commercial aircraft, are now being contemplated which, in flight at 6,000 miles per hour in the Earth's atmosphere, can do the work of ICBMs arching through outer space at 14,400 miles per hour, thus eliminating their need, as well as the necessity for bases on foreign soil. Chino-Russian planners envision engines capable of thrusting planes from Moscow to New York City, in 1.6 hours. That's 1.6 hours. Fastest plane on Earth, the SR-71 now retired to, moth, balls, required 1 hour, 54 minutes, 56.4 seconds for the trip from NYC to London. The same plane on the return trip from London all the way to home base at Beale Air Force Base, in Los Angeles, California, 5,447 miles took 3 hours, 47 minutes, 39 seconds. And, that's a wrap for this edition of the Bible Prophecy Masterclass. Please do plan to be with us next time for episode number 3, as we delve into Ezekiel the prophet's vision of God's plan to make himself known to men, by luring them into a literal death trap, the center of which will be the apple of his eye. Until we meet again, may God bless and keep you.